BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Pia Berengini, the creative director of LPA, an entrepreneur, a wife, and a dog mom based in Los Angeles. This is my new podcast, Everything is the Best, where we basically ask interesting people, how did you go from zero to yacht? I'm always curious how the hell people became successful, and I figured you would be too. Get on the internet with me. Let's laugh, let's cry, let's overshare, and let's get inspired to live our best lives. Check out new episodes every Wednesday. It's all for you, baby. Thanks for listening. Love you, mean it. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And um, we have a new addition to the show, which is really exciting. I have a voicemail now, so you can leave all your questions, anything that you want to ask me, and I will get back to you on 001-833-522-5527. And the number one more time is 001-833-522-5527. Ask me anything. Today's podcast, I wanted to do on something that we all know a lot about. I have a lot of friends in this behavior and it's self-destructive behavior. And I think at one time or another, all of us go through it for different reasons. Men, women, when we're in it, we don't see it. We think we're having the time of our lives. I've definitely been through it and we'll do anything sort of, I don't know whether it's a sort of mortality thing, or you're hoping just to get caught out. But it's definitely something we all deal with. And they are sort of, what is self-destructive behavior? Well, it's behaviors that are bound to sort of harm us physically and mentally. It is unintentional. You don't really kind of know that you're doing it. But, you know, or maybe you do. Some women do know they're doing it in the vain hope that they're going to get caught or the urge is just too strong to control within them. And I think I definitely had this because, you know, I think when you're in a sort of situation that you're not loving anymore, it's escapism, isn't it? And they they look like different things. They're all different things. Actually, I remember when I sort of was overloaded, having started my um, business and, you know, I was sort of in 
you know, it's the second or third round of financing or, you know, raising capital for my business. And the stress was so huge. And I think we've all been there too. When you're sort of at that, that final stage of raising capital or, you know, and your business is sort of teetering on tipping point and you've got bills up the wazoo and you've got staff, you know, that you need to be paid and you've got all of these things and you're sort of paying Peter to pay Paul to keep the business going whilst waiting for your new fundraise to come in. And it's a frigging nightmare. And I remember it was so funny because I had I had this huge driver at the time. I think he was European champion cage fighter. I mean, he was fucking scary. And he walked in actually nothing. He said nothing scarier than working for me. And I used to go out at night. I used to sort of come down from the, when, when my husband was away on a business trip, I'd be like, I'd come downstairs and I'd sort of hand him a pillow and some trainers and a pair of shorts. And I'm like, don't worry, I'm not having an affair. I'm just going out. If anyone calls, bad reception. And I would literally hand him a pillow, my duvet and everything and put him in the back of the Range Rover. And I'd have him drive me to like I don't, ministry of bloody sound. And he was so big, he could sort of walk through and push everyone to the side. And I would just dance for five hours and it would just release everything in my body. That's all I needed. It wasn't about meeting people. It wasn't about men. It wasn't about anything. It just about no responsibility, no one asking me for anything. And I think that is a big part of it. Any of you, you know, whether it's work or being a wife or a mother, the constant barrage of questions. I never thought I could hate the sound of my own name so much as I did in those years of just everybody. It's relentless asking something from you and nobody asking you if you're okay. I do run a tight ship because organization is everything. Because what is the point in taking on all of this stress in your life if you can't, if you have to micromanage every move everybody makes? So self-destruction comes from overload. It can do with mental health, depression, anxiety, so many different things that you need to look at the root of the cause, right? or where you are in your life and why you're trying to cause yourself self-harm. And you may not even recognize it really. You know, there are different types of it. I've seen friends of mine do many different things, you know, many different things like, okay, we all have a struggle in life. You know, we all have our own cross to bear. It doesn't give you the right to, you know, put on other people all the time. Sometimes you have to put your big fucking girl pants on, you know, and say this is life and take responsibility for yours. And I have always sort of tried to help broken birds. And I think any of you that follow me see very clearly that I do a lot as well. Like I've always done this people. And I think it's really, really good for the soul. Like no matter what you do in life, my first paycheck, right? I took a percentage of it and went straight downstairs and paid for however many operations for children to fix cleft lips. Okay, I always try and find, then I find, you know, charitable causes that really need people like us. It makes you feel good. So if you're in this sort of self-destructive behavior, I think doing something for somebody else can pull you out. I'm not saying that you should do something nice to make 
your life better. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes little things, when you get into this self-destruct behavior and these things to hurt yourself, you need to look at, I look at other people and go, fuck, my life's pretty fucking great. You know, self-destructive behavior comes in many forms, right? Binge eating, gambling, gaming, shopping. Okay, well, I mean, I definitely, definitely have a shopping addiction. But again, that comes from sometimes things like, I think I work very hard and when I'm very stressed, I don't think I can work this hard for so many people unless I get something fun for me, right? So I, I try now like look at it and do a percentage of what I earn. So like if I earn this amount a year, I go, okay, I'm happy if I spend that on shopping because shopping makes me happy. And I, you know, and I also then spend a percentage of that on charity. So I, I sort of like work it out now that it all makes sense financially to me. And actually one of the biggest investments I've made this year is a CFO of Brand Caroline because, you know, to sort of help me make sure that I don't throw, you know, spend everything that I make, which I always did. It also comes in forms of alcohol, drugs, self-injury. I think that's, you know, not, I mean, I, I don't know as many people for this way, you know, self-injury, but you know, it, it is a part of it. Alcohol and drugs is extremely common, especially in the cities that we all grew up in and, and live in. And I think it's actually even more acceptable. It's almost goes in hand with a city job. I remember actually like living in London. It's like, I mean, doing drugs was like popping out to the pub every dinner party. It's so available and, you know, to everybody. And it's, it's sort of not even frowned upon anymore. So I think if you're a city, I remember there was a whole thing in the, in the newspaper about like city boys getting through, you know, the trading floors and the high pace and the, you know, the drug usage. And you're like, these are the people you're actually putting your money with, that it has become a part of daily societal life to get through a high powered job. And again, you don't realize until I think it's too late that people have burnt out because the pressures are so high because, you know, kids going to school and all of this kind of stuff, you know, the amount of revision they need to do. And you've got all these, what is it called? I think in America, there's a whole thing. Adderall is taken for these kids. Like it's handed out, like it's, well, like they're sweeties. It's just expected. You go to school, you, you know, you've got to stay up for your exams. These kids take Adderall. It's just a dirty, dirty cycle to get out of. And once they're hooked, they're hooked because, you know, Adderall, they call the Barbie drug because you get thin and you get not smarter, but more alert. So it's acceptable. And these kids are competing against each other. And I think all of these things are, you know, a slow burn to self-destruct. Now, what a catalyst, as I said, for self-destruction? Well, overload at work, exams at school, trauma in your past. And I think, you know, as I said, stress, just stress, daily life stress. And we haven't learned how to let go because we're not allowed the time. I'm now working out different things. And the one great thing about Middle East is most of these things are not available in the Middle East. So, you know, even if you really want to self-destruct here, it's quite hard to do. I mean, alcohol wise, you probably could do it, but the rest, it's not like the cities, you know, and that's why I like bringing up my children here, but you know, and even certain sort of prescription drugs that you can get in America, like jelly tots 
aren't available here. So, you know, again, these things aren't heavily prescribed. So all of these things, because I I think they're the root of all evil too, because, you know, when people get into self-destruct mode, then they need Xanax then you need, you know, so they take an upper, then you take a downer, then you take, you know, then because they've taken Xanax, they need Adderall to get up in the morning, Xanax to sleep at night. And you see this terrible, terrible cycle that comes from, coping mechanisms that you're not teaching yourself because you've got a beta blocker blocking every feeling and emotion out. So all that's happening is you're suppressing it until actually you get off it. And then you just have to go through it again, which is, you know, a terrible cycle to get into. Now I'm watching it because at 45, I think we have got to a stage in life. As I said, two main reasons, really marriages are ending. And if I look around, most of my friends are at the end or divorced, most of them. And, you know, women are very, very critical of themselves and they take on a lot. And it's not to say men aren't too, because a lot of men suffer. They really do. Both of us suffered in in our, our divorce, you know, as I said, for different reasons, I'm sure. You know, I think with my ex, it was probably the mourning of the loss or the worry of losing the family, the family life more than me. And I've said this before, it's very scary when you've been with somebody basically, you know, half your life, even if you don't like that person very much at the end, you're, you're used to it, you're conditioned to it. So that is why ends of relationships, and I'm watching it a lot, takes so much out of people. Making that decision takes so much out of people. And I think when you interview people, and I've interviewed a lot of people now, and you say, well, when did you know it was over? And most people say two to three to five years before, most, which means you've had five fucking years of living in limbo. Okay. And limbo, I've always told people is the worst place to be. When you've made the decision, it's actually, it hurts, it's hard, but it's over. And actually nothing is as bad as the indecision. So what happens in those three to five years? Well, and it's pretty fucking textbook. It really is. And I really don't like lumping these things into one, but I'm watching it. I see my friends and I see the pain they're going through and I see the alcohol abuse. First of all, it starts with my best girlfriends, right? So suddenly you get a new group of amazing single friends who are there for everything. And I think that, you know, these women, they're amazing you know, and they're kind of what you need at the the beginning of it. And it kind of gets you out. And I always hear you, I found myself again. And a lot of times you, I think as women also, when you've had babies and you've been married a long time, you lose your sexual mojo. You think that you're not a sexual being. You become nothing more than a mom and somewhere for like a baby to throw up. And the husband sort of comes through the door and throws his bag at you and asks you what's for dinner. And you forget that, you know, you used to be a bra wearing, you know, dance on tables, you know, sex kitten. And that happens a lot after babies. I mean, I definitely felt like this after having twins. I think, you know, having had preeclampsia, almost dying, having Yasmin, then doing IVF. I think, you know, looking back, I probably did have this sort of postpartum like kind of, well, I just, I think within three months I was on a plane going to Cannes in the shortest mini skirts that I could possibly buy. I mean, I don't, I think that they were tops to be honest without a care in the world. As far as I was concerned, I probably did. I had a million cares in the world, but that's all 
I wanted to do. And I was fucking determined because, you know, at that point in my life, I, you know, I had the business that was stressing me out. I had, I think it was at the end of the business. It was like where my investors weren't talking to each other. So that made life fucking impossible. And I think, you know, I had all these employees because in a small business, everybody knows your business. You don't have your own business so that, you know, you don't have any privacy. Then I had three kids under the age of God knows what. And I had a child on each boob. I was just everything to everyone else, nothing to myself. And, you know, I was like, fuck it. What am I doing? I think you, when you're earning all this money yourself as well, and you're like, you know, why am I doing this? And I'm giving it to everybody else. I didn't even ask my ex-husband at the time. Like I would just get on a plane for him. You know, I was probably a horrible human. I was very lucky because I think he saw that I was going through something, to be honest. And whether you get through it is whether your husband can ride it with you. And whether you come out on the the other side and you decide that, that you have something left in common. And it's okay if you don't. And you need to give yourself that sort of freedom to say, it's okay if I don't want this anymore. And I think we beat ourselves up. I see it in all the girlfriends around me. And I see that, so they get this new group of girlfriends who sort of big them up, ask them out every single day. So what does that do? Well, it drives a bigger wedge between you and your husband. It just does. You get this new group of girlfriends who take you out. And I think Instagram's made it even worse because, you know, you have a way. I don't know why, I mean, why we need the validation, but normal housewives as well. I mean, I'm, as you all know, people think I do nothing, but actually I do do quite a lot. Instagram isn't just for me to stand there and go, oh my God, Caroline, you look so beautiful today. You know, actually my girls that work for for me in doing my social media will tell you it's like getting blood fucking out of a stone, getting me to take a picture. So over it, so fucking over it. I can't tell you but it's my business. You know, I have to take that picture. It is hard to do. Okay. And every day you have to do look at the day, look, you know, and then you go to work. But, you know, at the same time I watch housewives, okay. Who aren't selling anything sort of like gyrate in front of their stories within bras or like licking their lips and like kissing the camera. And you're like, I see it straight away. You know, exactly which housewife is in self-destruct mode when I watch Instagram. I don't know, you know, because they're not selling anything. They're not Instagram models. You know, I'm definitely paid to be here, people. Not going to lie. And, you know, look, as jobs go, I'm not going to moan either. I, I love you all. I love what I do. Sometimes it is hard every day to find a different fucking pose to get into. I need to think of like, Ooh, meditation today. This one's this one, you know, because it, and, and some days you are having a shit day and I don't want to be chased around by a camera, but you have to do it. Okay. So, but again, not knocking it. I have a bloody nice life and I thank you all for that. Okay. I really, really, really thank you all for that. Can't tell you enough. And I thank you all for listening to this. Let's take a little break from the show and discuss a new app I've been using for a while right now. I've talked to you about it before and absolutely love it. Truebill. I love to spend money on the things I love and the people I love and don't like to waste money. And, you know, I couldn't believe how many old subscriptions I was paying for. I was totally shocked. And Truebill can help you with this. Did you know free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam to get you 
Don't let greedy corporations pocket your hard-earned cash. So download Truebill today and take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. This is the bit that got me. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. That's insane. Because companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in simply one tap. Your concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Personally, I think this app is one that everyone should use as it really does save you money in the long run. As I said, my kids were subscribing to so many apps and games and no longer using them and me too. And when I actually used Truebill, I really saw the savings like having an accountant in my pocket. Take control of your subscriptions with the new free Truebill app. Truebill helps you discover unwanted subscriptions and cancel them with just one click. Truebill empowers you to save more, spend less and see everything. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start cancelling today at Truebill.com slash DND. Go right now to Truebill.com slash DND. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash DND. But, you know, I watch these housewives do it and they've got nothing to sell. And it's just about how much, you know, jewelry they've got on or, you know, what fashion show they've been to or, you know, full-on expensive designer looks all day. And I'm like, what are you trying to say? What is your message to the world, right? When I do do mine, I try and get a full view of who I am as well as doing a creative page. I'm never going to be a fashion influencer. I'm too old. And there's too many of you. You know, I think a lot of you like watching my day-to-day life and the fighting with Sergio and the funny stuff, right? But I see these women and I think, it, it to me, it screams of, I need attention. I want attention. I'm not getting any attention at home. And I think that we all lose track of that throughout the marriage, right? So then what happens is, as I said, you get the, you get the single girlfriends, you start drinking, you start drinking, you start taking prescription drugs, you start all of this. Okay. Because genuinely the drunk side of you, and then I, look, I liken it to now. Okay. I have, I'm completely controlled. I have a great life, but from time to time, after a really stressed week or whatever else, I'll go out and do tequila, Caroline, okay? And I've had, I think, probably two in the last year of total blackout, wipeout nights on tequila. And I've realized now I just can't take tequila and I shouldn't do it anymore. But, you know, that's what self-destructive behavior looks like, except you don't have the turn-off mechanism, Okay. So, I mean, I think I knew I was in self, not self-destruct, but I, you know, when to stop was like, I think I went out with one of my best friends, did a tequila night, woke up black and bloody blue, black and blue. Very sorry for anyone that met us that night. Now, self-destructive behavior comes with other people where they do this, you know, they get home late at night, no matter what the husband says, right? No matter what, it doesn't matter. So, you know, and they always have an excuse. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason for this behavior. And it happens all the time because they don't want to cope with what's going on in their real life. And that's where friends should be putting their foot down and not enabling the behavior because the behavior is pain, right? The behavior comes from pain. It doesn't come from being, I'm so fucking happy. I want to go and like, you know, 
wake up with the wrong man in bed or like, you know, wake up in, in my own vomit in the loo by the side of, you know, all of these things. It's not because a person's happy and they've had the best fucking night of their life and you're the best friend to them because you got them obliterated and got them home and everybody thinks you're the most fun person. No, as a good friend, you should say, okay, let's, let's, let's not do that. Let's sort out what's going wrong first deal with the crux of the issue and then see if you still want to do all this, right? And if, if that's your life choice and you've decided that's who you want to be, absolutely go for it. You know, that, that, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if this is impacting your life and making your life harder because you're going to have to deal with a much angrier husband. You're not dealing with your kids in the morning. You have hangovers. You know, I mean, I know at my age now, if I go out on a weekend and I have a crazy night, it takes me two days to recover. I can't afford to do that. I can't have that happen in the week because I work all week. You know, I have to get up. If I don't get up, you know, I don't make my money. So it's when things affect, impact your life with consequences it normally is because you're depressed or it normally is because something's going wrong and you just haven't dealt with it. And I think, you know, recognizing this is so important. And girlfriends sometimes just enable you and allow you to sleep sweep it under the carpet and don't see the signs or like go here, have a Xanax and sleep. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll cover for you, but you're not doing the person any favor because all you're doing is prolonging their agony and then they're acting in a way that they is so out of character. And then on top of it, what happens is everybody around sees. Okay. So all your old couple friends see your behavior because they're in a, in the same restaurant, ran into you in a nightclub, somebody, invariably everybody speaks because people are genuinely assholes. People love to push the mirror away from themselves because they don't want to deal with their own shit. So it's like, they may be going through it, but they, you know, they're going, oh, she did it. Did you see, did you see her out with that? Oh, she was like on top of that guy yesterday. Oh, she was so drunk. Oh, she like, stay, stay in your lane, bitch. Stay in your lane. Don't look in my garden, fix yours. And I think it's super important to remember that instead of judging, which us women do so frequently, Look at yourself or say, maybe that's a woman that needs help. Maybe she's going through something. Maybe I should just shut up. You know, all of you out there that rushes back and like tells the tale and spreads the gossip. Why are you doing that to another person? Why? For what? To make yourself feel better? To, you know, satisfy and to push the light off you? Or because out of concern, because if it's out of concern, go to the person help her. You know, people in long marriages and acting out and doing that, like mostly these people are good people. Life happens to you. You don't happen to life. Life happens to you a lot of times, right? So you're dealt the hands as it's written in the cards, right? It's just how we deal with it and learning to deal with it. And I think, you know, talking about divorce and understanding that it happens more times than not. And of course, there are these amazing stories where people get all the way through. And there are also amazing stories where people, you know, separate and get back together. I love these. 
But, you know, there are also the ones that just need the push and just to say, let go of each other. You're both in self-destruct mode right now. Nobody's good to each other. You're not good. You're not hiding it from the kids. You're not hiding it from yourselves. You're acting out. You're behaving like teenagers. It's not going to help in the long run. Because I think what we do and the partying and the, you know, alcohol and the medical stuff or whatever it is that they're doing, you know, or the drugs, I don't know, whatever the form looks like for you, it's just prolonging the agony of what really is the crux of the problem. And it's not going to get better. It doesn't really get better from there. Because what tends to happen is in that state of the drug and alcohol abuse, the the late night bad decisions, and I always say, and I have a, a rule really now, nothing good happens after two. Let me repeat that. Nothing good happens after two. You don't miss the party. You don't miss anything worth listening to. Most people, you know, chattering about bullshit all night and then they wake up in the morning going, fuck, you know, because you go out, you behave like a twat and then you normally start talking about all your private stuff, which you shouldn't be talking about because you've got no filter that if you were at a dinner party sober, you would never have talked about. Then you wake up in the morning with this terrible anxiety going, fuck, I shouldn't have told that so-and-so that you know, and, and worry and, you know, all of this. And you, you're in this cycle again. Then your girlfriends call you up. There's another party. There's always another party. You know, I used to have the worst fucking FOMO. I wanted to be everywhere to everything. I never really enjoyed any of them, you know, but I just wanted to be invited. Just wanted to be there. Wanted just to, you know, just to see. And then you're so fucking tired because you've got to go to work the next day you start again. And that's where it is. So I would implore you before you get to a place where you make stupid decisions. And I'm not just saying decisions that fuck up your marriage, because honestly, if it's over, it's over. You also see women that come out of relationships making terrible sexual decisions, you know, because maybe their husband hasn't looked at them for quite a while, right? And then the first guys and those guys, by the way, that it's like, there's a group of kind of single men who are never, ever going to get married. It's quite funny. I, I, you know, you, you know the type. Suave, good looking, everything going for them. And they see, it's like they see victims. They see the, the women at the end of their marriage or they're newly single who haven't quite got into it yet, but like haven't been, hadn't, haven't had the wild sex and all this kind of stuff, been married for ages. And those are the guys that sweep straight in. They have no intention of dating you, none you know, uh, women at the end of their marriage are, you know, safe because they're sort of on the rebound. So it's, 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 it's never going to last. It's wild, wild sex because, you know, they haven't had it for ages. So literally they are prepared to swing from the rafters. And I literally, I mean, some of the straightest girlfriends I have that you think butter wouldn't fucking melt in their mouth. I mean, you know, having had long marriages, the sex now is another level. I mean, they are literally hanging from the roof in upside down, contorted positions, thinking this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. I mean, the great thing is it is a sexual revolution and you do sort of find this amazing newfound you, which is something that I have experienced myself now with Sergio, like nothing 
is off the table and it's so much fun. But like, you know, a woman in self-destruct mode then gets, you know, maybe that guy doesn't stay the next night, then she's she's already on that high and you've opened Pandora's box and she needs it because she hasn't had it. And then she starts making terrible sexual decisions because at the end, boys talk, girls, boys talk, you know, just as we do, men do, but, you know, in a worse way. And I've also learned, by the way, that even if, you know, nothing happened or, you know, you had a snog, somehow you have had a sex session. Men do that. So just be aware be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what you're doing to yourself long-term because it may not impact you today. But when you're looking for your long-term gorgeous husband and you've suddenly like, you know, done things you can't take back, you may not find another one. You may not get a cool one. You may not get a husband who understands your self-destruct mode. And it's so out of character for you and so not who you are that you've literally blown up your whole fucking life. And that's something that you can't take back. And I see it a lot. A lot of self-destruct behavior becomes, comes with denial. You don't see it or you don't want to because you got so good at bloody blocking it out. And I've seen many girlfriends like this who it's just man after man you're like no but he loves me and he you know he can't live without me he's texting me but you know really what you've just done is put a story up had your left breast out and he's just replied to it and suddenly you know you're reading whatever you want to read into it no he doesn't love you no he's not staying no he's not you know the one he's just sees that you're gagging for it there is no connection you know there's no he doesn't have to like stay he doesn't have to pay your bills. He doesn't have to like give you anything that requires responsibility except to shag, you know? And I think mistaking that for love is something that women do a lot. Now that's not to say after a relationship, you don't just want to shag. And I'm all for that, girls. You want to have a shag, you go do what you need to do. But it's, it's the constant sort of picking one up and putting one down. You can't do that, you know, and I think that's why I implore people to date and to sort of, you know, find out who you are before you go into this sort of like, I'm free mode, you know, which we all do after, you know, a long time. And I, you know, I look back at some of my behavior in life and I, 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 I'm not very proud of myself and I don't love who I became after the end of my marriage. I don't, but you know, I can't, I also can't take that back and I also can't beat myself up. And I've also met a beautiful human who's beside me and I've been extremely lucky and I only wish that for all my girlfriends going through the same And so, you know, it's not coming from a place of judgment and like, you know, go home or it's coming from a place of get help, you know, understand the phase you're in. It's like the seven year itch, self-destruct buttons didn't come because one of us had them. We all have them inside us, unfortunately, because it's a coping mechanism to different things that happen in our lives when we can't just walk away. You know, when you're 
dating. You you can just get up and go when you've got kids and our families intertwined and you're, you're, you've been together forever and you may, you can hate the person. There's a fine love line between love and hate, but you still love the person, you know, and you might be going through whatever, but life has an amazing way of sort of sending you another blow. I mean, look, I had an eight year court case, quite frankly, you know, I had to find coping mechanisms because eight years of my life and going through a divorce and doing IVF and all of these things, going through the shit of, you know, working out whether, you know, I could possibly live with Sergio because of the age difference and everyone telling me no, you know, all of these things. I I could be a raging alcoholic now. And I, it's not to say I don't have my moments where I, you know, do push it to a crazy limit and I go absolutely nuts and Sergio has to drag me home. But I do have a limit. I don't drink at home. If you see me on a party night and I've gone too far, well, you know, it is what it is. At the same time, we all need to have fun. But when when it's self-destruct, there is no off and it's tie, day after day to numb pain. And I'm not, I'm so happy now. That's not why I'm having fun and drinking. You've got to understand what a release is and what is destructive. And, you know, my only thing is to say to you, listen to your friends. Don't always go to your new girlfriends because new girlfriends are there for the fun times and they've left at the old time, bad times. You know, your old girlfriends will tell you the things that you don't want to hear always. And it's being able to sort of take parts of it. And sometimes, you know, the old girlfriends are annoying because, you know, they've been married forever and they don't know your buttons. And they say, you know, you don't always want to hear it. And I get that. But you need to be able to take parts of it, helicopter it and go, okay, they're right. Maybe I do need to take an inner look at myself. Maybe this this isn't good for my children to see. Maybe, you know, I'm not the mother I used to be. Maybe I'm not the woman I used to be. Maybe I'm making bad decisions. It's okay. You don't have to feel terrible about yourself, but fix it. Fix it for you, only for you. Fix it and move on. You know, isolate the problem, deal with the problem head on. It's not going away. It never goes away. Partying, drinking, alcohol, drugs won't make it go away. It just exasperates it. So if I can just tell you that you're not alone, that everybody goes through this at one time or another. To also girls, if you're not going through it, but you recognize this in your friends, go help them. Don't judge them, help them. You know, I'm always, I always am here with a room open, a shoulder to cry on and, you know, words of advice from my friends. No judgment. I can't judge people in glass houses, you know, and that's it. I hope this helps some of you out there. I know that, you know, life always throws curveballs, but that's what's exciting and that's what's, you know, it's good and it's bad and it teaches us so much. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I hope you all have a lovely day and a reset. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action.